Welcome to M&A Power and Practice, the podcast for all things M&A. This podcast is a tool for education, information, and making your collective voice heard as members of the Minnesota Nurses Association. Our fifth episode is on M&A's 2023 legislation, the Keeping Nurses at the Bedside Act. I'm your host, M&A staff member Lauren Nielsen, joined by M&A lobbyist Katie Cottenbrook and M&A member Becky Nelson. Welcome, Katie and Becky. Why don't you start by introducing yourselves? Hi, I'm Katie Cottenbrook, and as Lauren said, I'm one of the lobbyists here at m and I've been on staff for about two years, and I lead the Keeping the Nurses at the Bedside Act, which is our staffing legislation. My name is Becky Nelson. I am an m and member. I'm also the elected chair of the Governmental Affairs Commission. Um, which does most of the legislative work at the Capitol. Uh, I have been doing that for, this is my first term as chair and my second term as a GAC member. Uh, We focused on the Keeping Nurses at the Bedside Act for the first time last session, and we will be reintroducing it this session, so we're going to talk about it today. Wonderful. Well, welcome. Thank you both for joining us. Let's uh, start with some of the basics. What is the Keeping Nurses at the Bedside Act and how did it come about? So a short version of the Keeping Nurses at the Bedside Act is that it is our staffing bill. Uh, It is a little bit different than a strict ratio bill that some other states have currently Basically, how we describe it is that it's a mutually agreed upon staffing plan between the hospitals and the staff, and that would include union staff or non-union staff or whatever that may be at that specific facility. It's designed by those local committees of nurses in the hospitals with a maximum patient assignment limit included in the bill. And we see the Keeping the Nurses at the Bedside Act as a comprehensive approach to staffing. So safe staffing keeps nurses at the bedside, but we wanted to look at a holistic approach to retention. So this bill contains other pieces, such as a student loan forgiveness program for registered nurses and a much more comprehensive workplace violence prevention aspect of the bill this year as well, and many other retention pieces. Wow, that's really great to hear. Now, I know that typically when a bill is introduced at the legislature, there are usually two authors, one from each body of the legislature, who are chief authoring the bill. Who are our chief authors of the Keeping Nurses at the Bedside Act this year? Thanks for the question. This year, we're working with our trusted Senator Erin Murphy, who is a strong M&A advocate and has a long history with M&A. She's also a registered nurse. So she provides a deep knowledge of the work that you're all doing and how to ensure that she's supporting safe patient care and nurse retention at the Capitol. We also added Representative Sandra Feist in the House as our bill author. She is someone who has so much passion for this work. She was asking throughout the legislative session last year and before this session started what we were doing with the Keeping the Nurses at the Bedside Act, how she could support it. And we just thought that her fire and her passion were really great additions to the bill author team. And they're both incredibly savvy, smart women who have great hearts and compassion. So we're really excited to work with them this year. Thanks for sharing that. 
So, Becky, you had said that this bill was first introduced last year at the legislature. After introducing it last year, what happened to it at the legislature? So the bill went much further than we thought it would, fortunately. It got a fair amount of attention from the DFL leadership in the House specifically, and we did end up passing the bill out of the House, which is a first ever for our one of our staffing bills in the state of Minnesota. So we were very excited about that. We, I believe we failed to get a committee hearing in the Senate, um, the Republican-controlled Senate. Um, but we did move it through the House, and it did get a lot of good publicity. People are starting to understand that um, what the Keeping Nurses at the Bedside Act is, and we're looking forward to moving it forward. Wonderful. So... Nurses are bringing the Keeping Nurses at the Bedside Act back to the legislature this year. What are some of the big changes to the bill this year and how did they come about? This year, we really worked on incentivizing and public education um, under the guidance of the leadership um, in the House Health Committee. And so the big change to the bill this year is that we'll have a hospital grading system that the Minnesota Department of Health will create under our strict guidance that we're adding to the bill so that people can understand what staffing looks like in their hospitals. Every hospital will receive a grading from A to F. Hospital that continually fail to provide safe staffing will receive an F grade. And then you can go to the Minnesota Department of Health website and see those changes. We also looked at adding a workload committee, and that workload committee will handle a lot of the staffing complaints. Instead of having that at the Minnesota Department of Health, it will be handled internally and then part of the staffing report that's created and submitted to MDH for grading. We also want to ensure that charge nurses don't have patient assignments. That was something we heard a lot throughout contract campaigns um, in the metro and Duluth areas and several of the other contract campaigns. And we feel like that's a really easy ask that the legislature should pass. Um, We also really want the staffing committee to work on eliminating patient boarding in hallways and ambulance bays in places where patients shouldn't be receiving care. And that needs to be under hospital management's purview to make that change. We also added a lot more robust language around workplace violence prevention and then continued many of the other pieces without change. Those are some very important changes and very exciting to hear about those uh, coming up at the legislature this year with the bill. Now, let's talk a little bit about those different pieces of the bill. If passed, how would those different pieces of the bill affect patient care? Well, there is a ton of research out there, and it's not new, it's old, um, that points to patient outcomes being specifically tied to staffing. Um, every extra patient the nurse takes um, as a, in a patient assignment is correlated very heavily with poor patient outcomes, including potentially permanent morbidity, potentially mortality. Um, it is sometimes there are studies that have correlated it even with patient deaths, unfortunately. It's really um, a very powerful mechanism for keeping patients safe in the hospitals. Definitely. Thank you for sharing that. And 
it's very important for everyone to know how it also affects uh, patient care, um, in addition to how it will affect uh, nurses uh, at the bedside. Now, in addition to changes in the bill, there are also some changes at the Capitol this year with the DFL trifecta. Could you share a little bit more about how that could affect the passage of this bill? I think we're cautiously optimistic that we can move this bill. We've had a lot of support from the DFL party, the Democratic Farmer Labor Party, um, in the past, and that has been where we've engaged a lot of energy. We're hoping to have bipartisan support this year, at least in the Senate. Again, we had bipartisan support last year um, in the Senate. And there needs to be direct response to the staffing crisis in hospitals. It has never been more clear that the staffing crisis is not getting better after contract negotiations at so many of our large facilities and our rural facilities as well. And so telling that story has become easier, which unfortunately is really sad because we just keep adding more and more member stories to the list of why safe staffing needs to be a priority at the legislature. And with the DFL trifecta, we've had folks from leadership and all the different bodies, so the governor, the Senate, and the House express interest in doing this work. We come to them and they already know our talking points because safe staffing has to be a priority this year. And so though we cannot promise anyone the bill will pass um, and we don't have any assurance that all of the folks who say they're going to support the bill are going to support the bill, we still have a lot of work to do. We're feeling really optimistic that this year we'll see something pass. Great. And... You talked about how many nurses uh, won some staffing language in their contracts this past year during negotiations. And Becky, I know that um, you were um, in the midst of negotiations um, as a nurse as well. Um, so why is it important to keep fighting for staffing language at the Capitol, um, even though there has been some wins in staffing language um, through the nurses' contracts this past year? So the language that landed in my contract specifically is very similar to what were supposed to be our guidelines for staffing previously. These are things that the employer has supposedly already implemented um, that they kept in their HR files. It, it's language that they um, want to adhere to when it's convenient for them, uh, but they don't necessarily have it be particularly binding in any one way. Management can still override the staffing model that they have prepared for any specific unit per their discretion, basically. Managers get to decide what safe staffing is. And we feel that that's really inappropriate, just given that we are the ones doing the work and we are the ones that see the bad outcomes. Um, so we did get a little bit of language in there. It just isn't particularly powerful, and it doesn't give um, the nurses or the union any any more control over the situation than it previously did. And to be clear, we don't want control per se. We just want our patients to be cared for appropriately, and we know how much work that we can handle. Um, and 
by allowing us to have some state in our actual staffing that would that would cover that for us. Right. And to be clear, the contract negotiations only took place in the Metro and Duluth, correct? Whereas the staffing bill language would affect all nurses in Minnesota. Is that right? That's correct. It would affect all nurses and I believe at least in hospitals in Minnesota, correct? I also think it's important to keep in mind that as you all keep fighting for contract language, we know there's only so much that hospital management is going to agree to at the end of the day, whereas working with the legislature gives us the ability to maneuver language that could have really positive changes without the power of management at the opposite side of the table telling you what they can and can't accept. We can work with the legislature to do some of that work that hospital management won't ever concede on. Um, and to push some language that could be really effective, as Lauren said, across the state in places that haven't yet unionized and who don't have the same protections of a strong union contract. We also know that there are ways that statute can boost your contract fight in the future. So what do we get? What? So what we get in legislation should work in tangent with what's happening in contract negotiations and vice versa so we can have a really robust powerful campaign in both spaces to change the way that nursing works to ensure that safe staffing and nurse retention are at the center of that work in both spaces and if we give up work in one space we're giving up a lot of power to do that change very important thank you Now, pivoting a little bit, Becky, you have been very involved, obviously, um, in M&A with your role as the chair of the Governmental Affairs Commission. Why do you feel passionate about doing work at the Capitol as a union nurse? Could you share a little bit more about that? I have been doing political work for quite a while. I've been doing it prior to joining M&A even. So this was something that I had a bit of knowledge about. Um, prior to becoming an MA member, which was late 2017 for me. This is an issue that just doesn't go away. And I don't think it's going to get fixed without some sort of intervention from the legislature or essentially from the state. We just have to have some rules around nurse staffing. I have worked out of state. Um, one of my first jobs as a nurse was in the state of Florida at a um, at a private for-profit facility. And I worked in the ICU. I would occasionally get floated to the emergency room. We had patients that we would treat in the hallways in our emergency room in this public or this private for-profit hospital in Florida. And that was the first time I had seen that. We're talking about, you know, 2002 era when this was occurring. And I thought that was the worst thing I had ever seen. I moved back up to Minnesota a few years later. I never, ever, ever thought I would see that type of staffing in Minnesota. And here we are. There are lots of hospitals that have that are now treating patients in the hallways in the emergency room. They're over capacity. It's we are we are our our healthcare 
in the hospital systems, the quality of our healthcare has regressed quite a bit, you know, just in the period of time that I've been working in hospitals, which is 25 years or so, you know, I, I have watched it go downhill and I just, it's not something that I can do to just leave it alone. It's, and working with and within a hospital unit can be effective. You can have a good relationship with your manager and you can make some changes at the unit level, but it unfortunately doesn't affect the entire hospital, even the whole system or even the whole state. And the whole state needs help so that we really do just need to get some work done at the legislature and have consistent standards across the board. Thank you for sharing that, Becky. I want to ask a little bit more um, from your perspective, um, how can other nurses also advocate um, at the Capitol for the Keeping Nurses at the Bedside Act and for other pieces of legislation that are important to nursing and patient care in Minnesota? So we have a lot of different ways to get plugged in um, to MA work. We have mid-February, our annual lobby day. We have opportunities to get involved on commissions uh, that specifically do legislative work, like I had the Governmental Affairs Commission. There's always volunteer opportunities as well. I also just want to echo what Becky was talking about. Having nurses at the Capitol is incredibly powerful. We were actually just in a meeting this afternoon with Chair Liebling, who chairs the Health Committee in the House, and she referenced the town hall that we held in December and how powerful those nurses' stories were and how powerful it was to hear directly from people having to deal with short staffing and it leading to violence and moral injury and unacceptable consequences for both healthcare workers and patients. And so having your story is so powerful and looking at ways to share your story is really how we push legislation and make change. And so like Becky brought up, lobbying at the Capitol is amazing, testifying, but also contacting your legislator, sharing your personal story, giving them a call, even if you're leaving a voicemail to talk about that really hard shift you just completed, because those are things that stick with their humanity and trying to connect with their humanity, right? We want everyone to understand that everyone is going to be a patient at some point or have a loved one in the hospital. And so how do we connect those stories with the work at the Capitol? And I think if you need any more ways to become involved, um, any of us on the government relations team or the Governmental Affairs Commission are willing to have further conversations about engaging because the more that we can have stories and uh, personal experiences shared, the more powerful our work is together. Those all are wonderful ways to get involved and ways to make sure that nurse voices are heard at the Capitol um, in order to help uh, move this important legislation forward. Now, um, as we're wrapping up here, um, is there anything else um, you'd like to share about the Keeping Nurses at the Bedside Act? I personally think that um, the new additions to the bill are going to really be a game changer if we can get them through um, for the community. This, The transparency um, provisions regarding like the public postings of how staffing is in the hospitals, 
I feel is absolutely something that folks that consume hospital services are going to look at. They may not choose to make a hospital their primary place to get care, especially in the Twin Cities where there's a fair amount of competition if their hospital has a as a C or a D, they may go down the road somewhere else. And I, I do think just by reporting those numbers, it's going to pull care up. There's going to be more competition. And we've seen that grading can really change the way patients and consumers access healthcare through the federal long-term care grading structure that exists. And so we're just building on work that we already know has a potential for making change. And I think Becky is totally on that when I have to look at where I'm going to get elective surgery, do I want to go to the hospital that's next to my house and has a D or do I want to drive 20 miles to get that quality care at an A graded facility? We also know that in the Nurse Practice Act, nurses are able to refuse unsafe assignments when following the necessary protocol in statute and within hospital protocol. However, we know that nurses are still being retaliated against at their jobs for saying that patient care is unsafe. And so we've built mechanisms to prevent retaliation um, at your job and ensuring that you can safely and securely advocate for safe patient care without worrying about your license, which was already built into statute. And then in addition to not worry about your job, even though they shouldn't be retaliating against you. Well, thank you both for joining us today. I think we're going to wrap things up here. Now, for any of those listening, uh, remember, if you would like to get involved with advocating for the Keeping Nurses at the Bedside Act, you can visit MNA's website and learn more about the bill at mnnurses.org slash keepingnurses. Or you can get in touch with MNA's Governmental Affairs Department, and they'd be more than happy to help connect you and uh, find opportunities for you to share your stories and to help get this bill passed through the legislature this year. Thank you again, Becky and Katie, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to MA Power in Practice. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through your favorite streaming service so that you don't miss a single episode. Want to get in touch? Email power.practice at mnnurses.org for more information.